Thanks, Dave, in the studio. I'm Dave in the field. Yeah, Today we're talking like about bats. Water source is important, and also the understory. So here it's quite nice because they've got a lot of things. So they're up in the top, and then they've got all this stuff underneath, and that's really good for them. Um, it helps with heat and stuff like that. It helps with predator protection. You find a lot of places where they've let people tamper with it. They take all of that lower level out and just leave them up exposed in the trees, which isn't good. But this is quite nice, and it's quite nice you can't actually see them that well. They, they're inside. A lot of times, like a lot of the colonies I go to regularly, they'd be just there. Like literally, you could walk right up to the trees they're in, and they're on pathways and stuff. Oh, right. But these ones have got a little bit more seclusion, but... Um, Normally in winter we have a really big flowering here and this colony expands to like 10 times the size. The fly out goes for ages because this colony, a lot of them fly straight over my house. So I'll st just stand there and watch while we come down here. There's actually fireflies along here as well. So we'll come down at night and watch the fireflies and the bats. But um, it hasn't expanded like that this year because it's been a tough season for flowering. Because of the rain? Yeah, it's washed all the nutrients out. So. Yeah, but anyway nice to see them all getting some sun yeah well thank you uh for coming down my uh, pleasure i've oh. already started recording <laughs> go days. for it could you please introduce yourself uh, for our listeners sure uh, i'm beck i've been volunteering with bats for a couple of years now with bat conservation rescue queensland started out as a rescuer but got addicted so now i raise orphans and i rehab adults as well okay so we're here to learn about uh the uh, animal with the most adventurous ears, uh, <laughs> the bat. Uh, but uh, while researching this, I found out that uh, bats actually have pretty good eyesight too. Yes, they do. Uh, particularly fl flying foxes. Flying foxes, yeah. Yeah, they use their eyes, I think similar to a cat would be an equation. In very, very low light they can see and in full sun they can see. So they're pretty well equipped. Um, their hearing is also good, their sense of smell is really good. But their range, so different species do different things flight-wise, but these guys will fly, say, between 20 to 50 k's in a foraging range. Um, but then you also have a few species that go up and down the coast. So the greys will come up in winter a lot of the time. The little reds actually go north to give birth because they give birth at a different time. They give birth in winter, so they need to be up in the warmer temperatures. So they'll actually all migrate up, do the birthing season, and then come back down. Yeah, right. Yes, we often know when they've come to town because the rescue calls increase um, and people start complaining about sudden influxes of big numbers of bats. Uh, but they don't stay the whole year and if they do it's not good for them because if we have a sudden cold snap and they've given birth down here their babies aren't equipped to deal with that. So flying foxes are fantastic pollinators. They're also long distance and nocturnal pollinators which we don't um, have in other species. There are night flowering gums that are dependent on them. Our eucalypt forests uh, need them. They help with the biodiversity of the plants, pollination, all that sort of stuff. Uh, they also seed disperse. When they eat, they'll chew something in their mouth and then spit it out. So they can seed disperse by either spitting the seeds out or pooping the seeds out. Uh, but an example that I like to use is if you have a really large area, for example, you know, something that's been burnt out by a bushfire, not many animals are going to cross that distance, but a flying fox can and will 
um, cross that sort of distance. So in that regard, they're unique as well. Yeah, right, because there's, like, there's studies that show that like, uh, small birds won't cross long distances because they're worried about predators, um, mm. but bats will. If you've got a 50 kilometre foraging range um, or you're traveling sort of up or down the coastline, then um, you know it's a different different situation than a bird, but also they pollinate different species. So how can we make better habitats for bats then? Uh, for a start, I would say stop cutting down big old flowering native trees. Yeah. Um, microbats as well, they roost in a lot of those trees. So you're taking away a flying fox food source um, if say you cut down a big gum, but then you're also potentially taking away microbat roost. Um, and in terms of adventurous ears, microbats have some, some pretty cool ear structures going on. Um, and as well as their eyes and their nose, you know, they're a very different type of bat to a flying fox. Uh, and they're insectivores, so they're good pest control. They can eat up to around 40% of their body weight a night in pests. Well, insects, I shouldn't <laughs> We might see them as pests. Um, so yeah, very different ways to help each of them, I guess. With the flying foxes, uh, they do struggle in the heat and as climate change gets worse and the heat gets worse these guys are going to suffer um, and we need to be ready to intervene and help them when that happens but in order to not get them to that stage when they need intervention things like leaving their habitats alone leaving the understory um, so that they do have that little bit of protection they can come down into a more shaded environment if it gets really hot they can access water uh, so I think one of the biggest problems is just removing trees um, and people just deciding they don't want to live next to them and trying to get rid of them themselves. Really? Yes, that's unfortunately. And councils as well. There's big problems with councils um, over the years dispersing colonies intentionally, which is not particularly effective unless you basically cut down all of the trees. And I understand that they can be sometimes a bit noisy but they're so important and they do so much work. They're very hard workers for the environment and very underappreciated. So we have approximately 30 species in Greater Brisbane of microbats. Really? Yeah, that's a lot. And there's like over 70 in, in all of Australia? Uh, of bats, yes. So we have your flying foxes, you've got your microbats and then there's some other types of bats that um, are fruit-eating bats but they're not as big as these guys. So you've got Eastern tube nose bats and blossom bats in Brisbane. We don't see them very often though. They're small. Um, and they, like the Eastern tube nose has a little tail and it's tiny, but it's a fruit eating bat. So it sort of has a few characteristics that might make you think it was a micro bat if you saw it, mm -hmm. um, but it's not. So we've got one of those in care at the moment, which has been an interesting experience um, to sort of see something different. Uh, but with microbat care, you get something different almost every time they come in the door. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, 30-odd species. So my favourite microbat is a white-striped freetail. They're a bigger bat. And they're a high-flying bat. How, how big are we talking? About. Mine was about 30 grams. <laughs> <laughs> so some, of, I think around seven is kind of the, yeah, the so like, yeah, the normal. Big, the big 30 gram bat. <laughs> Yeah, look, I did have one that was about 65 grams that was a wow. um, yellow belly sheath tail. They're quite a 
quite a decent size compared to the little seven gram ones. Yeah. So each different microbat species sort of does a different thing, lives in a different environment, frequents different areas. So there's a whole range of um, there's a whole range of different things that they can do. But we do have quite a lot of species in southeast Queensland. What is something that you want to tell our listeners that they might not know about bats but desperately need to know? Um, it's very easy to work with them if you're interested. <laughs> it's, uh, it felt like it wasn't something particularly accessible to me uh, and then I started learning more about them and I found out, hey, I can actually physically go and help them quite easily. Um, yeah, I would think that they would need like a lot of space um, like uh, sterile conditions. Orphans we raise often just on a clothes error. So an orphan doesn't doesn't need much. Uh, we do have places they need to progress to. So they definitely do at some point need a big cage, but not for most of us. That's somewhere that they can go when they need that level. Um, so for me with the adults, I have a room set aside and I have a few different enclosures that they can go in. But, um, and I have a small aviary, but then when they need a big aviary, they, they go elsewhere to someone who's equipped. Um, I guess the thing I would say is the most important thing to me that people understand is how important they are. Um, without bats, you wouldn't have the amazing rainforests and things that Queenslanders are so proud of. Um, but they have this strangely terrible reputation that you know, I just wish that people could learn a bit more about them, understand how important they are and realise that without them so much of what we love wouldn't be here and that they are a really hard-working species that does a lot. Um, the flying foxes that you see here are a keystone species and if they leave the environment then that affects a lot. Um, it's not just about them being gone, it's, it's all of the other animals. Um, you know, koalas need the trees that these guys pollinate to to live as well so you know there's a lot if if we lost bats it wouldn't just be the sadness of losing a species there would be a lot that would go with that All right. thank you very much Beck. my pleasure um, and uh, if people want to get in contact with bat conservation queensland so we're at bats.org.au um, so if anybody's interested in volunteering or learning more about bats, there's actually a lot of information on there um, about their importance and their role in the environment. So you can look at that. Uh, but if you have a bat that you need rescued, we're on 0488228134. And that's a 24-7 hotline. So we'll send a rescuer out at any time. Awesome. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks for having me.